and lasses, and welcome back to the Soccer Talk Lads podcast. Tonight, we'll discuss the U.S. Women's National Team's brief visit to St. Louis and City Park. They've lost Mallory Swanson, they've gained Julie Ertz, and Becky Sauerbrunn got the hometown welcome she so richly deserves. Then, we'll move on to the MLS, where St. Louis City SC suffered its second defeat, this time to the Seattle Sounders. Yes, City are still alive, but is the black hole sun descending on the dreamy start to their inaugural season, or will this weekend's matchup against FC Cincinnati bring back the lithium vibes once more? No need for a hunger strike, because we'll answer all those questions ahead, so let's kick off. Welcome back, everyone, to the Soccer Talk Lads podcast. We are glad that you are here. It is Wednesday, April 12th, the middle of whatever time of month this is. It's beautiful weather here today Mm. in North Florida, the kind of weather that makes you think, I guess this is why people move to Florida. How's the weather over there in Kansas City, Justin? Steven, I am in St. Louis, actually. Oh, excuse Um, me. Forgive me. But I think it's the same in KC as it is in St. Louis. It's beautiful. I was at the national team game and it was the first time that I've been at that stadium that I haven't been freezing my ass off. So it was nice. nice. Yeah. That's a big plus. (laughs) Let's talk about the U.S. women's national team because a lot has gone on in the past week because they've had their um, final round of action before the World Cup, uh, I believe, in a few months. And uh, some devastating news for the team in the form of Mallory Swanson going down to hello tendon injury mallory swanson no relation to ron swanson of course uh she might have married might have married into the family i'm not sure maybe yeah i mean she (laughs) she is a person of color and he's painfully white but also he's fictional and she's not so i think that second one is probably the bigger bigger determining factor on them not being related but um but in any case huge loss for the team obviously hugely disappointing for her personally because um you know, she has been a budding superstar for this team yeah. and, and is a huge part of the team. Why don't you talk about that and what her loss means for a little bit? Yeah, it means a lot. Talk about um, some of the positive news. Yeah, before we, before we get into positives, before we get into City. Uh, yeah, it means a lot. Like, so in the post-match press conference, I forget who asked the question, but somebody asked Flacco about, like, exactly what her injury meant, if it'd be, like, a like-for-like substitution because Alyssa Thompson comes in. Alyssa Thompson is kind of a similar type of player she's a little bit quicker obviously very inexperienced she's only played two professional games as an 18 year old but like could maybe take on some of that burden but Mal Swanson like I thought probably should have been the MVP of the NWSL last year and like you lose that player that's big and Vlatko talked about how they designed this formation to essentially be Swanson and Sophia Smith on opposite wings with a striker in the middle and so if you lose Swanson, you lose like a big part of the entire offense they've drawn up. And yeah, it's especially at this point where this is the last game before the roster decision is made. Like that's a, it's a big loss. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate and disappointing, obviously, 
uh, especially entering a uh, entering a World Cup where maybe for for one of the first times that I can remember, the U.S. women weren't necessarily the odds-on favorite to win. Yeah. Um, they're still obviously one of the top quality teams and still obviously could be world champions. Uh, but like definitely a, like obviously the world is game more competitive, which is awesome because that makes them yeah. come more fun. But also in a situation that they haven't necessarily, like they win and you, I don't know, I have a hard time when teams are winning to like really talk down on them. But when you look at it from a process standpoint, like they haven't necessarily looked like what we expect a U.S. team to look mm-hmm. in terms of just like running, like enforcing their style of play on other teams. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true, and um, she was a big part of making that possible. So yeah. hopefully, um, hopefully they'll be able to find a replacement. The good news is, before we get to the good news, I just want to mention that um, I forgot my microphone today, so the audio quality, or I didn't forget, I forgot a dongle. It's a whole oh, story, but I needed a dongle. Thing, the dongle, and it's, I don't have my audio quality. And then Justin's having a little bit of feedback with his cord because he's in St. Louis. So if you hear some weird audio, we apologize. We'll get it worked out for the next we're episode. Better, but we're getting better. We, we're, yeah, we're, we're trying. We're <laughs> trying our hardest. But the good news about the U.S. Women's National Team this week is that Julie Ertz is back um, after a long hiatus herself. Um, and she is really going to hopefully, if she can stay healthy and and shake off any rust that she had from being away for a long time, uh, she is hopefully going to be a uh, engine for this team and really a, a dominating midfielder for um, the U.S. and and kind of one of the best um, controlling the game midfielders in the women's game uh, in the world and um, a huge presence did want to talk about what you saw with her in these two games yeah because it's like it's comical how much of a difference she makes like the second that she stepped back onto the field because Mm -hmm. like it kind of forced them into a different formation so to kind of get a little bit granular when like the past two years have been like trying to find a replacement for hers essentially and they've kind of settled on a double pivot with Haran and andy sullivan with Roosevelt or Ashley Sanchez as the attacking midfielder. And it's kind of made Lindsay Horan like ineffective in a way. Mm-hmm. But like as soon as Julia Ertz comes in for Andy Sullivan, it pushes Horan up into the midfield more. And like you see an immediate impact with how much ease they kind of have getting the ball forward and their energy. And like I think a lot of that is because Julia Ertz is just such a such a ball stopper. Like she's has a lot of confidence obviously but i think players feel more comfortable with her there knowing that like if something does come the other way that she's going to be able to like snuff it out she's just that you know that kind of central midfielder right uh Mm -hmm. so like yeah it was incredibly noticeable and she like is only going to get better as she kind of comes back into playing more and ideally she'll have an nwsl team by next week it sounds like it's pretty imminent or at least that's what they were telling us which would be good because uh, she's always already looked like she was kind of obviously there was some sloppiness with some of her passes and things but like you there's no way to not feel encouraged by it mm-hmm. yeah i think that's definitely true and um what were your overall takeaways from the game that you got to witness in person at the lovely city park Lovely City Park. Everyone was very complimentary of City Park, Stephen. I don't know if you need that or not. Well, there's, they have to be. Those are the rules. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think Ireland kind of play in the way that U.S. have trouble with and that they're very compact, they're well-organized. It's similar with, like, how U.S. had trouble against Japan in the past, that, like, in their current makeup, they just can't break down a low block for some reason. Their one goal comes when Alana Cook sends in a, I'm going to call it a cross, you know, some would say it's a shot, but she kind of sends it to the back post for Lindsay Horan and it, uh, the goalkeeper plays it and it goes in. It's a great goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. I um, I am trying to learn a lot about the women's game. Obviously, an area that I have been behind in, and I don't like that. Um, what are what are you most looking forward to about this World Cup that's coming up in a few months? Yeah, I think like competitiveness, Stephen. Like, it seems like there are four or five teams that aren't don't have a lot of separation. Like Germany, France, England, Australia, U.S. are probably all equally as likely to win this like mm -hmm. australia especially being at home they beat england two nothing yesterday off of sam kerr just being sam kerr and like teams i think the u.s still have a leg up in terms of their depth like the rest of the world especially like if you watch england they're missing their starting center backs and that was an issue for them so like the U.S. are spoiled for choice in a lot of positions outside the six, which they definitely aren't. But they have like three world-class goalkeepers. They have a lot of wingers that could step in and be incredible. They're really good midfielders. Like the U.S. should still feel confident, but the world is catching up. And like it's great to see from a competitive standpoint, but I still get worried when you watch these games and you're like, looks like they're having trouble scoring goals or at least like being fluid in their attack you know mm -hmm. they still got two shutouts so you can't be two clean sheets so you can't be too mad but yeah don't pretend this is some other sport where you can right. just say shut out um <laughs> yeah so that's exciting and i think it's great to see uh the city park start to host these international soccer events we heard the news also this week that a city park will be one of the many many host cities for the gold cup um along with toronto floating out in the ether um, that's what's great about the, that graphic for anyone that hasn't seen yeah. it it's like uh it's the u.s but then toronto is just like it's canada's an outline but toronto Float just like, floating there. in the middle of lake ontario <laughs> yeah um so in any case, I think I think that's really cool for the game, really exciting for St. Louis. And I think that atmosphere is gonna be, you know, I think we're going, I don't wanna I don't wanna do the best best fans in baseball thing, but I do think we're going to be one of the better soccer atmospheres in the country. Um, and I think maybe even more so for non-MLS events, because we're just mm -hmm. such a soccer crazy city, like the drop-off from supporting any team to supporting our local team might be less for us than for a lot of other cities. So I'm very excited to yeah. see that happen and, and see more games at city park. And I hope to attend one myself before terribly long. Cool. But yeah. I'm excited to see like to wait for that. International games are always so fun. And like, I think they do struggle attendance wise sometimes. So like, it's nice. Like they almost, like it wasn't a sellout, but it was 22, 300. So like just 200 people shy of a sellout last night. So. It was nice seeing that for the U.S. 
definitely. Um, what are your thoughts right now on Vlatko as uh, manager of the U.S. Women's National Team? I I struggle with Vlatko because I think he's a great man manager. Like I think he's the right person for this era of the U.S. Women's National Team, and that like with everything going on off the field, I think that the players trust him, and obviously they're comfortable with him, and he's a guy who will give them space and give them their moments when they need it. Like you saw with Becky, they weren't going to play Becky just because last night was kind of the final tryout for a lot of players, but because they were in St. Louis, they gave her 30 minutes to kind of like have that moment, which I thought was really cool. And you see moments like that, you're like, okay, it's a good, like he has such a good knack for knowing when to like celebrate certain players and players feel comfortable, players talk to him. I have issues with some of the things that he does tactically, like, this formation that we've kind of been married to, like I said earlier, where like Haran and Andy Sullivan are playing so deep in the midfield and like it doesn't seem like it ever works out the way that it's supposed to. And <laughs> we just like keep going back to it. I don't know. Like I have issues with that. But like Vlaco as a coach, like I think there are better coaches in the world, but I think he's the right coach for this team right now, if that makes sense. I think that makes sense, yeah. You're saying he's terrible. <laughs> no no like he seems like such a good guy too like i you know it's like you feel bad saying like being overly negative in like a personal way i don't know yeah yeah no i totally get it um do you have more faith in uh vlatko or in the chalk outline of a mystery person that is the u.s men's national team head coach oh that's tough i would say uh, Vlaco because Anthony Hudson will just end up being like the head coach or something. It'll be something stupid oh, like that. Uh, <laughs> can you imagine if we win it? <laughs> All this just like make. I don't even really manager. have anything against <laughs> Anthony Hudson, but can you imagine if we went into the most important right. cycle of our uh, entire team's history to with Anthony Hudson? It would not yes. be a good fallout. Yeah, because like. Anthony Hudson, too, he seems he's another guy that I think is a very good assistant coach. Like, it seems like the players get along well with him, and he does good with the dual internationals and getting people to come into camp and like mm -hmm. talking to players. But, like, tactically, man, that guy is like, you can't have a guy be your manager that fell out with the Colorado Rapids so bad that they fired him, like, unceremoniously. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, if you're not good enough for the Colorado Rapids, I'm a little concerned about your coaching prospect. Yeah, well, I think he deserves about... another chance, but like, yeah, do not make this man the actual national team coach, yeah. please. Let's talk, and we will get to uh, St. Louis City in, in a minute, folks. I know you're clamoring for our Klaus updates, but uh, let's talk about the U.S. men's vacancy for a minute, because um, we are still pretty largely in the dark about what's going on there. However, there was a tangential story this week uh, that was pretty interesting for those following it, which was the uh, apparent agreement and then very sudden disagreement of Jesse Marsh with mm. Leicester City, correct? Uh, yeah. To be their next manager. Leicester, of course, in the relegation zone right now, as are every team that isn't Manchester City and Arsenal. Also, every uh, team interested in Jesse Marsh is yeah, uh, every team interested in Jesse Marsh. Um, <laughs> I definitely, I mean, I definitely think you have to consider Jesse Marsh as a, as a candidate for the U.S. men's national team job, if for no other reason uh, than that he is the um, most prominent American yeah. soccer coach probably ever. Um, so, you know, that's uh, 
that's an interesting fact that he is seems to be taking his time and not jumping at the first offer that comes to him. But I'm curious what your thoughts are on about whether he would be a good fit for this roster and whether he'd be the right choice for the job. I think he'd be a good fit. Like I like Jesse Marsh. My issue is that like I would like to see them get away from the era of players that you know, the era of managers, the era of players that were around uh, Great Berhalter's era, which Jesse Marsh is very much in that circle as well. Like, I feel like U.S. soccer would be well off if they got away from, like, that group, so mm-hmm. to speak. Like, I think, you know, I'm not sure if everyone knows this, but uh, there's a bit of a falling out uh, with Claudia Reyna of sorts, and I would very much like Gio Reyna to be a part of this team, and I feel like if there was a say a foreign manager who had a little bit more of like a gravitas to him that like someone like Gio wouldn't be able to or someone like Claudio Reyna wouldn't be able to call him up uh, and dictate terms so to speak like Claudio Reyna and Daniel Reyna aren't doing that to Jose Mourinho you know like yeah I was gonna say so you're saying Carlo Ancelotti is the next Carlo is yeah I feel like Carlo's gonna coach Brazil uh man that'd be amazing if they could pull Um, it off um, but like from a tactical standpoint, I think Jesse Marsh would be a good choice. Yeah, I think I think I don't mind if they hire him if they think he's the right guy for the do- job. I don't want it to be a situation where it's like, well, he's American, <laughs> so it's his job. You know, like yeah, that's where my concern would be really. But um, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. I wish we had a little more news. Um, the thing that's concerning is that like we still don't have like a sporting director or a yeah. GM too, and I feel like those will get filled first before they appoint that head manager. Yeah, I think um, I think it'll be. I don't know. I think things should pick up when the when the national when the club season dies down a bit, but hopefully we will see answers pretty soon because there is a gold cup this summer. There's mm-hmm. important competitions. And, there's a uh, made up cup competition next week, actually. <laughs> the, uh, the Mexico game that we're playing that I have no idea what this tournament is that just popped up. Hey, I'm sure it's um, very important. As I'm sure all it's con- all, yeah. it's all above board. I'm sure we can all agree. Yeah, on that. I agree. Definitely definitely agree with that um all right let's move on to uh the topic we put on put off long enough we've been skirting around it yeah uh which is the um st louis sc game in seattle this weekend a three to nothing loss with goals from uh josh alencio raul rui diaz and an own goal from jake norensky in the 89th minute uh this was a game that I don't think we or almost anyone else expected us to win. Right. So in one sense, I'm not like devastated that we didn't win it. Um, it sucks to have two losses in a row. It sucks to have two losses in a row with um, the Western, the Western or Eastern division leading Cincinnati coming our way next week. Supporter um, shield leading right now. They're... That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. that's, um, but I'm not all that upset, I guess. I'm sure there are people panicking and I understand why, and it's very possible we'll be five and three. Yeah. Um, but I just felt like this wasn't that bad an effort for 65 minutes, um, until we allowed the first goal and then things fell apart pretty quickly thereafter. But, um, 
I don't know. What were your takeaways? There were some very interesting comments from the team, especially Roman Berkey after the game, which we'll get to in a moment. But what were your takeaways? What were your what's the vibe check for this one? How did you feel overall about this game? Yeah, I'm thinking with you, Stephen. Like, it felt like everyone is very frustrated after the match. And I think that probably uh-huh. comes from two straight losses. And like, if you look at our schedule, this is really the like, this is absolutely the hardest stretch of this team will play all year, like, until the end of the season, where you have mm-hmm. three games against, like, actual winning opponents. So, and, like, a lot of teams have lost in Seattle. Uh, a lot of teams will lose again in Seattle this year. So, mm-hmm. like, I wasn't necessarily upset about it. Like like I said, we kind of talked about it last week that we tried we tried to warn everyone, Stephen, that this could be coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like vibe wise, I don't know, frustrated, but like accepting if that is a vibe, uh, for what it's worth, like the team seems like they understood that they played well for 60 minutes until the intensity goal. And then like, it kind of forced them to open up a bit more, which then like Seattle just tore right through for the rest of the game. So like, it's a learning experience, I think. And like. I don't think you could be too mad about losing on the road in Seattle as an expansion team. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this is just about recalibrating our expectations mm. partially after a five game winning streak to start the season. Uh, it was cool. It was amazing. I don't think that that's completely like out the window now, obviously yeah. the 15 points are down the window, but also I don't think it, I don't think, just because we have this tough stretch of games, we're suddenly a bad team now or have to be in panic mode. I think, um, I think the team still looks pretty good. I don't, I don't think we've been embarrassed in either of these losses, even though we've been, you know, shut out both times and, Mm. and, you know, have ultimately lost the Minnesota game definitely could have gone the other way. And even this Sounders game, you know, if we'd had a lucky bounce or something, things could have changed. Um, but after, after Cincinnati, we've got Colorado, who certainly is very beatable. Um, we then host Union Omaha for the U.S. Open Cup, which uh, the Al versus Al matchup, mm. of course, oh, yeah. very critical. Um, you would hope we'd win that and, and give ourselves a shot in the arm there. Then we have State Al supremacy on the line too. It's, it's That's a, right. Got to win. The only the only <laughs> kind of supremacy. I want to be very clear on that. <laughs> The Soccer Talk Lads podcast support. Okay. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, that, we are we are getting into dangerous territory there. So I'm yeah. glad you bailed me out. <laughs> You're welcome. I just want to be very clear. Uh, but then you've got Portland, Dallas, Chicago, Sporting, Vancouver. A lot of pretty beatable teams there. Mm. Um, you know, and if you're looking at the end of that stretch and you're nine and four, eight and five, whatever, like you're not, you can't be too upset. Our next really huge test after Cincinnati will be at LAFC on May 31st, and that's another one that you're going to pencil in a loss. You know, yeah, and that's LAFC are <laughs> freaking buzzsaw right now. Yeah, but <laughs> um, but then we host the Galaxy on June 11th, and you can pencil in a win there because they fucking suck. So, um, the Galaxy, Stephen, did you see any of the uh-huh. red cars from that game this weekend? I saw the best one. I saw the the one on the sideline where he went over to uh, interfere with the VAR check and got a yellow in the red. <laughs> I just don't. Beautiful. You're already on a yellow to begin with. I don't. What are you expecting going up to a ref who's like in the process of a VAR check? <laughs> yeah, I, they're 
couldn't have expected anything good, right? I think it was a wild week of um, of referee hijinks. Mm-hmm. We saw we haven't told we maybe we'll talk about this game a little later, but we saw the Andy Robertson getting just straight elbowed in the just face. like like <laughs> like I don't know. It's it's kind of it's kind of funny to me that, that they're doing like there's a there's just a black comedy about everything because they're doing this investigation and they're not letting the referee ref any other games until the investigation is complete and i'm like what's there to investigate like pretty cut and yeah dried. you saw it it's on video it's like <laughs> that he should necessarily lose his job or anything i think it was just like a an idiotic reaction in a moment of like surprise or panic or whatever but like it's like what uh, are we investigating it these then? referees <laughs> got so like hyped up about the Mitrovic incident that like they felt the presence of a player and decided to defend themselves from it. <laughs> yeah, and I loved. I saw a Liverpool podcast pointed this out, but I loved. Uh, I loved Robertson being perplexed at who to complain about, <laughs> complain to about a referee abusing me. That was the best part. He, did, yeah. he didn't like. He didn't like go down or anything. He just kind of looked around and was like, you know, he spoke Scottish, which probably means nobody understood him. Mm. But he was like, you know, he elbowed me in the jaw, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, man. Who do I? Yeah, where do I look at? Who who do I tell this to? <laughs> um, but anyway, yes, the LF, LAFC red card mm. probably my favorite blooper from the uh, weekend as well. Um, other any other you or not USMNT any other city takes that you have? Well, like I want to talk to you about this, Stephen, because they come into this in a different formation—a five-three-two that like, uh-huh. didn't use any of their wingers, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Jared Stroud has been he, like leads the team in G plus right now, which is essentially like goal contributions. Which some of that is inflated because the player passed directly to him on opening night, but it's interesting to run out of formation that doesn't use some of your like most dangerous players right now. However, like. The reasoning that Carnell gave was that they were game planning for Seattle. Like that's the reason they come out because they're worried about you know, the dangerousness of of Shu and Jordan Morris, and it worked for sixteen minutes. They can't get like too upset about it. But like, what were your thoughts seeing a brand new formation in this game? Um, I want to be careful when I say this because I really like Bradley Carnell, um, and I think that. Uh, I think his tactical decisions have been mostly positive. Mm. This one does reek a little bit of desperation to me. Is this a Pep Guardiola um, level overthink? Do you think? <laughs> I don't know if there is. Such a, I don't know if anyone else can even access that stratosphere. But um, it just feels like. I guess it feels a little bit like you're sending your team the message of like, yeah, I don't think hmm. you can hang with and play. I don't think you can control this game and play your style of soccer. I think you have to bunker down and avoid falling into Seattle's style of soccer. And uh, I mean, you can make the argument that you're right and Seattle's a much better team and hmm. you're just, you would be thrilled to get out of there with a point. That's a very valid argument to make. Um, but I guess I just, I think, I think to it, maybe, maybe there's still a little bit of leeway in the sense that we are a brand new team and, and maybe he is genuinely just trying to figure out some of the things we can do mm. and some of the things that work. But 
Um, and like maybe that's a formation that they want to run throughout the year and like you have to play it at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I I don't have a problem with that, but eventually I would like to see us have a signature formation and Mm -hmm. then kind of shift around that as we need to rather than just kind of going in guns a blazing with a completely different formation every game. That's my vibe. I don't know how you feel. No, I think that tracks and like... I think that's a good segue into the Berkey quiz because that like talks about a lot of like where you're at, Stephen. Um, uh-huh. Cause I think Berkey kind of felt the same way. <laughs> it seemed like from the comments, like not to say that he was calling out Bradley Carnell, but it's like, that's a honest German man that I think can't hold his emotions. Uh, and a very, and a very <laughs> handsome German man. A very well. handsome German man also. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So what Roman Berkey said was, he said, I would not say that it was lack of energy. It was more like we had a system that we haven't really played before. It wasn't easy for everyone just to play and not think too much. Uh, we saw that in our pressing. It wasn't that compact. It wasn't the compact all the way out pressing that the, has made us look good so far this season. We need to work on that again to just be confident and pressing all out and put opponents under pressure so that they make a mistake and we don't. Um, and then finally, kind of to the point that I just made, to be I'm not saying that I made the same point that he made, but we basically did. Yeah, uh, you, and, honest, you and Berkey talked for the game and you decided that this was, right. yeah. <laughs> My close personal friend, Roman. Uh, to be honest, we should not adapt too much to the opponent. We should play our game because it doesn't matter what opponent we play. When you look at the first few games, we played our style and we're successful. We are professionals. I don't want to hear that we're a team that goes out and loses to good teams. We need to step up. We need to bring the energy back, be a little more humble, and look at what we can do better every day in training. Now, I agree that I don't think this is calling out um, the uh, manager, obviously, and Bradley Carnell, but there's certainly some frustration there, and I think – I think if you're the goalkeeper and suddenly you're intentionally playing most of the game and you're in, that would be pretty exhausting and not great. Um, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts? These are pretty, I think it's, I think, let me just say for the record that as someone who covers a lot of sports teams, not, I wouldn't say professionally, but for fun at a, mm. at a fairly intense level, it's nice to have someone that says something and speaks an opinion. So that's cool. Um, it's not doing it in an outrage kind of like loose cannon yeah. way, but just kind of speaking as well, think, what are like, your thoughts? Yeah, I think Berkey's kind of like earned that level of like he's been there and done that to the point where he can mm-hmm. say stuff like this and not like necessarily get backlash upon him. Because like I think he's right to a sense, right? And like obviously Carnell has a lot of trust in him and I think him and Carnell have like good relationships. So it's not like this is just going to be something that blows up. And like at practice today, it seemed like everyone had high energy and like it doesn't seem like there's a rift in the team necessarily but like yeah i think it's a guy who is highly competitive who has a high standard for himself and for the team in front of him that is just like frustrated by seeing this game play out the way it did yeah and i think um i i want to say he's justified i don't i don't know i don't know that a different formation would have changed the result maybe we would have won Maybe we would have lost ten to nothing. Yeah, I don't but know. if you lose like, three um, nothing, playing in your four four two or whatever, like pressing hard, like does is that a little bit easier to swallow than this was? Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe that's the case. And these are the lessons that he's going to have to that uh, Carnell's going to have to learn. The team's going to have to learn. Um, so you know, 
I think it's cool. I don't yeah. know. And like ultimately, like it's... yeah, you're going to make mistakes. And we've talked about it before how like Carnell has been so good in his adjustments before this. So it's like, whatever, it happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, moving on to the next game, FC Cincinnati, Supporter Shield leaders. Um, what's your vibe check? How are you feeling about this one? Worried, nervous, upset? A little nervous, yeah. Uh, Pat Noonan, of course, St. Louis' own, coming home. Uh, like, I feel like coming that's, home. I feel like that's coming tough. Home. I will say yeah, that uh, they got a little bit bailed out and that Brenner and Lucio Acosta were held out of practice today, so I think they might be a little bit head, like banged up heading into the weekend, which if they are held out, like that helps St. Louis a lot. I don't know if that is what ends up happening, but... Uh, Outside of that, like, Cincinnati have been very good, very defensively sound. Um, they did draw 3-3 with Chicago, so, like, maybe there's some room to open things up on them. But every other game, they've won one to nothing. And looking at that, like, I think you could see another frustrating game, potentially. But, like, City need to score a goal also. Like, they need to... They need to run at this game. They need to open it up, and they haven't scored in two games. And I think that's been something that once they get that goal again, it's going to be like very relieving to see. Yeah, um, I think uh, I think that'll be a huge weight off their shoulders. I am going to go out on a limb and say okay. that I think they get a result in this one. I think they find a way to at least draw and maybe get the win here. Um, I think their style will challenge Cincinnati. Um, I think that they will be hungry and very, very, uh, I don't want to say frustrated, but motivated, mm. I guess. To I think, yeah, I think I have that same. And... Go ahead. No, I, I think I have that same feeling. Like, I think that if they play like they did versus, you know, in the in that five-game winning streak, if they play like that where, that, where the press is that high octane, like, I think that gives Cincinnati some issues. I don't think that they have center backs that are necessarily great handling the ball. Like I could see that being an issue uh, outside. Like I'm definitely scared of their attack and I'm definitely scared of their midfield, but like, especially Brenner can just tear you apart in a moment's notice. But I think this is a game where like Edward Lewin could step out of the challenge as well, uh, especially with all the accolades that Brenner gets. Like I think Lewin has that kind of mentality of like, I want to be the best player in this match too. Yeah, I think I have a similar outlook that you do. I could see this going our way. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting. It's definitely, it's, I'm definitely looking forward to this one a lot. Um, it's at a reasonable time on the East Coast, which is a nice change of pace. <laughs> how did I? How did you do with that Seattle game? That was what, like midnight oh, your time? God. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they're starting at ten thirty. It's it's brutal. I'm I'm a late night person. But that's Ban West Coast trips, as I always. It's say. just a hard time to start <laughs> something, you know. Yeah. Like that, it's it's one thing if the game's still going at ten thirty, but you're like, you're doing the opening kickoff at ten thirty seven, and you're just like, what? I was having issues staying awake before uh, the game started, and I was like, oh man, this is gonna be rough. And then like having to wait for the press conference, and I was just on fumes. Yeah. Uh, well, you are an intrepid reporter, uh, Justin. I'm Thank you, Stephen. I'm glad. I'm glad somebody's noticing my commitment to the cause. Um, 
let us move to our favorite non-domestic league, the Premier League. I think we can agree on that, right? Yeah, we can, um, we can agree. And talk about the fact that uh, the Arsenal, the Arsenal Liverpool game was first and foremost just a phenomenal game. Um, yeah, this was the best game of the year, I think, from a Premier yeah, League standpoint. Definitely up there. And secondly. Um, how do I how do I phrase this delicately? I have never been so concerned about a team that has a six game lead, a six point lead on the oh, yeah. uh, table with eight games left to play. It doesn't. I lo- listen, Jeff. Gift Jeff, if you're listening, I, this is not. I, I I want Arsenal to win it at this point. I don't even. This is not a comment against you or anything else. I would rather Arsenal than Man City at this point. Yes, 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 yes. Doesn't Man City just have that kind of Thanos? Oh, yeah. I am an Ebenezer. Man City are right now. going to win the league. I would like to go out on record and say that right now. <laughs> I mean, and, and to make matters worse, they have a game in hand. So the six-point lead is really a three-point lead. And there's still an Arsenal-Man City game that is to be played, I think, at Arsenal. So I guess they've got that going for them. Um, but... Uh, I don't think that Man City can be stopped. I don't think they'll drop points the rest of the season. I think Erling Haaland has fully stopped trying to blend them with the human beings. Oh, yeah. He is, yeah, he has given up all false pretenses that he is a just a normal human. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, yeah, I mean it's it's upsetting because I Arsenal has played such a good season. They really deserve. Um, to be champions and i don't i don't think they're going to get to me and that really sucks uh, that, i genuinely i genuinely allowing about it. going up to and nothing so- and allowing for me now to score that goal in the 87th minute that sealed the title that sealed their fate i think it's so upsetting to say that about a team who again still has a six point <laughs> um but losing choking away that game Mm-hmm. Uh, after the two goals, I mean, I was so I went to it was Easter Sunday, obviously. Happy Easter, everyone! Um, it was Easter Sunday here. I went to a place. I found out there's a place really close to me that's a Liverpool supporters bar. So I went there. Uh, they were open. That's breaking news. Club. I didn't know this, Stephen. Breaking news on the yeah. podcast. Stephen has found a Liverpool yeah. supporters bar. Um, so they had a lovely Irish uh, barkeep, and uh, he poured me a beer right after church on Easter Sunday. It was great. My German friend met me there. Um, they didn't have food, so um, we were talking about possibly, you know, going to get food at at, at halftime. Um, and by halftime, uh, we were so despondent that <laughs> we didn't even care about coming back and finding the game. And then, you know, the whole second second half played out the way it did. I just don't think Arsenal can justify letting that game slip away that's the one moment you like you said that's the moment you look back on and think maybe this is where they lost the title that's they the be, uh steven gerard slipping moment right there yeah they would be if they'd won that game right now they'd be eight points clear instead of six and they would still be able to control their feet fate even if manchester city wins the game in hand and the head-to-head now it's um those six points can determine pretty much everything and uh, let me look at goal differential real quick. Um, the uh, Man City has the 48 
to 43 lead on goal differential, so they've got the tiebreaker if it comes to that. Um, Man City also has a much easier schedule, too. Uh, they're playing yeah. like pretty much lowly teams outside of Arsenal, which Leicester, is like... Uh, Arsenal in a couple weeks. Then Fulham, West Ham, Leeds, Everton, Chelsea, which is not much less lowlier than the rest of those teams, and Brentford. No. Whereas Arsenal have, let me pull it up if it will let me, hold on. No, they have Newcastle um, in there at some point. Southampton, Man City, Chelsea, Newcastle, Brighton, Nottingham Forest, and Wolves. And that Brighton game is tough too, like Brighton's playing well. Uh, yeah, like that's... I think they both have Brighton, but yes. Oh, they do, don't they? Um, yeah, they do. But, I mean, that that's still a... Oh, wait, the Brighton game is postponed. Well, I guess that will be re rescheduled what's going on at premier league i don't know um but uh yeah i mean i just i think it's a, a fun race i think very interesting to see who this uh relegation race is going to because i think everyone from crystal palace on down is believably in the relegation zone um Southampton has pretty much sealed their fate. Um, but Leicester City and Nottingham could claw out. Everton mm. Leeds are in serious danger. Bournemouth, West Ham, Wolves, and Crystal Palace are all kind of in the danger zone. Um, Burnley has already been promoted. They've sealed the promotion next season. And before you roll your eyes, I have it on the authority of the, so- of the um, uh, what's the name, Total Soccer Show, that yeah. this is a very different very interesting. This is a Vincent Company Burnley and not a Sean Dyche Burnley, which is That's very right. different. It's um, very it's a very so, big distinction to make. <laughs> um, so very cool to see them coming back. I, I kind of like Burnley for whatever reason. I don't know why, but I also like um, I like Vincent Company's journey too because he was like a player mm-hmm. manager in Belgium, like at Anderlecht, I believe, and it's kind of like working his way through the ranks. So like I think it's really interesting. Wasn't especially well received in that job. I think, yeah, too. yeah, definitely not. So, um, what are your thoughts on the relegation race? Who's, who's getting out of this thing? Oh, man. I think it's a shame that Everton look like they've kind of figured things out recently. Uh, I thought that would be a good story if Everton got relegated. But luckily for Garrett, I think that they're safe. Um, I think that, like, looking at form, like, I think it probably ends this way. Like, I, Leicester, I don't see clawing out. Nottingham have had like such a bad run of form of late. Like I think it ends like this. Obviously, Everton mm. could throw it all away at the moment's notice. I do not feel confident in that decision. But <laughs> yeah, if I'm looking yeah. at how teams are playing right now, like I think that the teams above them have scraped together enough results to stay out. Agreed. I think you're right. Uh, let's talk. Champions League, real quick and specifically, will anyone but Real Madrid win the Champions League? No, this is yes or no. This is definitely uh, one of those years that like you talk about. Okay, Bayern could win it, Manchester City could win it, and then like Madrid just ends up winning like six one in the final or something. Yeah. I think like uh, City are probably as much as it hurts to say that probably the best chance to knock them off. Especially with how well. Oh, they... definitely, but they are still Pep Guardiola. <laughs> they are still uh, Pep Guardiola overthinking away from just completely. And I guess that would be in the semi too, right? So they're on the same side of the bracket. Yeah, so I think so. Um, 
Madrid handled Frank Lampard's Chelsea two to nothing in the first leg. Um, there's no chance Chelsea is going to mount a comeback there. Napoli and Milan looks like an interesting contest. That's the closest one, one nothing after leg one. Uh, Inter and Benfica, two nothing victory for um, Inter in the first game, and then Man City really putting a pounding on Bayern Munich, who can't can't quite seem to figure out if they're good or not um, right now. I mean, obviously they're Bayern Munich, they're very good, but like they have had a weird week. Uh, I don't. If we could stop on Bayern for a moment, like I don't understand them firing Nagelsmann. Like, oh, obviously, I think it's something behind the scenes and not like on the field issues. Obviously, but like, yeah, it's you rode that board to practice. <laughs> you ride a motorcycle, Stephen. Come I on. What bothers me about it is like they they kind of hinted that basically the reason they fired Nagelsmann uh, is that he's weird, and then they hired <laughs> Thomas Tuchel. He's weird, like yeah. you know, like there's it's not, not any more normal than Nagelsmann is. Like maybe he's a machine, so he doesn't ride a motorcycle to practice. But Tuchel, I think, doesn't have human emotions. Me, but that's right. <laughs> um, but anyway, I mean, I think it's a very interesting call. They had the they so they they fired Nagelsmann, they hired Tuchel, they beat Dortmund four to two to reestablish themselves at the top of the. Uh, Bundesliga title race, but then they lost to SC Freiburg in the uh, Deutsche Pokal, making it the first time in a long time that neither Dortmund or Bayern are in the semifinals of that uh, prestigious competition. And then they barely scraped by Freiburg in uh, the league uh, a few days later, one nothing victory, and now they've gotten murdered by uh, Man City. They've got Hoffenheim mm. up next. You would expect them to win out in the league and at least hold off um, hold off a Dortmund's challenge, but they've still yeah. got a, an RB Leipzig game on the penultimate day of the season, and um, it's definitely interesting. It's going to be a weird race to watch. I guess I guess Thomas Tuchel has nothing to lose, really, because if he, if he wins the title race, he can say, look, I turned the team around, and if he loses it, he can say, look, I came in with eight weeks left. What was I supposed to do? So, yeah. Um, I don't know. Definitely agree with you, though. The vibes there are very strange. Yeah, I don't I don't know how to read it because like I could have seen them firing Tuchel like earlier in the season when they were down in the table, like things weren't going well, but they have like turned it around and then like made the decision to, I don't know. Like, I guess it's they made the decision before the Dortmund game. So it's like you see that as a must win. Uh, Unfortunately, Dortmund just choking every title chance they've ever seen outside of like one time a decade ago it's very upsetting steven you're learning this now as a new dortmund fan that it's it's hard to watch that team in a title race yeah uh it is but i watched for one game so you know hard to be too upset um (laughs) in any case i don't know i think soccer is really fun right now it's going to be a fun end to the season yeah you've got the women's world cup this summer uh, very exciting time to be a soccer fan. So really any is. final thoughts, Justin, that you want to share before we move on? Any uh, Becky Sauerbrunn um, odes that you would like to put out there? Or well, so that's a thank you, Stephen, for that segue. Uh, I wrote yeah. about Becky Sauerbrunn and SDL Mag. It's on my Twitter. I retweeted it from Soccer Talk Lads account. Uh, I used that, so hopefully not too mad, Stephen. But yeah, it was just wonderful talking to her. Um, Obviously, this was a homecoming for her, like we talked about earlier. It's like 
they kind of set this up as a situation to like celebrate her while she's still in the team because this is probably her last World Cup. Uh, and I don't know how much longer she's going to be in the national team. So it was nice to have that moment at City Park to like actually have a full soccer stadium to celebrate her in. And I, don't know, I just had a lot of good vibes coming off that game that we could actually like celebrate one of our own in their time. And Becky is one of, I almost wanted to say most celebrated, but like definitely one of the most celebrated U.S. soccer players ever. And I would say like one of the most influential off the field as well for the work that she did with the CBA and everything else, like just in the growth of women's soccer in this country. So it's, it was a good feeling to have that moment. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's really cool to see the homecoming and, um, I just thought the reception they all got at the airport and, and everything else has just made it really special and cool yeah. to, to see. Uh, so very exciting. I'm looking forward to this game Sunday, Saturday. Um, I know everyone listening will be as well. If you've listened this long, we appreciate you. You are a golden child. May mm, your very much. bruns always be sour and your sons always be swans. And Next time you see us, Ian, I think, is on his way to catching the One Piece. So maybe we'll we'll, we'll talk about that next time. Perhaps. We'll find (laughs) out. We'll hear all about Ian's stories on the way on his return journey. But until then, uh, we will talk to everyone very soon. Have a wonderful weekend in Let's Go City. And good night. Adios. I don't mind stealing bread from the mouths of decadence But I can't feed all the foulness when my cup's already Table the fire.